you are wasting your goddamn good life energy, your talent and skills, so that you can upload more money into their pockets. Don't do it. <laughs> this is Can We Talk About Money? A financial peep show to take the weirdness out of talking about money. Following writer Paulette Perhatch and the people she meets, mostly money experts or money idiots. Can We Talk About Money is brought to you by WelcomeToTheWritersLife.com where writers get all they need to thrive, craft, business, personal finance, and joy. Today, we find Paulette quarantining from the coronavirus in the home of Vicky Robin, author of Your Money or Your Life. Her book, written with her partner Joe in the 1990s, kicked off the early retirement movement, selling more than a million copies. She was on Oprah twice and wore the same outfit both times. She's lived in Mexico, drove around with three other people in a self-built camper called the Ultimate Vehicle and hasn't worked for anyone else for 50 years. Paulette had moved into a room in her house for $350 a month to buy herself space and time to finish the first draft of her novel when the coronavirus struck. Hey, Vicky. Uh, you know, I'm going to start cooking. We eat, and then we calculate our net worth. Mm, my God. Okay. <laughs> I have one little surprise. So I know that you prefer rock gut whiskey, mm-hmm. but I thought we could drink some Japanese whiskey. Calculate my net worth. Did you tell me this and I forgot it? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> this is going to be embarrassing. I mean, you don't have to tell me what your net worth is. Oh, okay. Usually, it's embarrassing the other direction. Hold on. It's just that, that everything I've bought has grown in value. You're allowed to have money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I Okay, I'm going to do it right now because, um... Well, now we do it after. We've got our computer after. Oh, man. Everything hurts. Wow. Nothing like bending over in a garden to... Well, okay. Kill every joint. If what? You're going to... You want to do your net worth now? I'll do it exactly like you tell me. What, when should I do it? When? After dinner. Okay. <laughs> this is the last time I'm following orders here. <laughs> Only because I'm getting pad thai. Okay, that's right. My God, we're gonna drink whiskey. Yeah, why don't you pour some whiskey? Woo! That's a request. That's not an order. <laughs> <laughs> it's your last time pushing me around, girl. <laughs> <laughs> right away. And yeah, I get drunk. Calculating my net worth is not going to be easy if I'm drunk. <laughs> How long did we live together? Today's last night. February, March. Two and a half months. 
months. You came, I think you came February 5th. That was more or less what we planned. Yeah. So like, it's not like, it wasn't like overdoing it or something. We didn't plan to quarantine. <laughs> no, <laughs> we didn't. We didn't plan to quarantine. There's a lot about this we did not plan. It worked out better than could have been expected. Hey, girl. Meow, meow. Yes. So over the two and a half months, what do you? What's your sense of how I'm different with money? Oh, from me? Mm-hmm. Um, I spend it. <laughs> so you, you buy. Well, like in grocery shopping, you buy what appeals to you. I don't think you do any comparison shopping. Yeah, actually, what I do is I like. Like today at Uojamaya, I definitely was like, well, I want the I want the best fish sauce. Like I want the quality stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I want the cheap stuff. <laughs> I was like, you know, if it's perfectly nice, it's you know. But they were gonna throw it out in the grocery store. That's like a perfect thing to buy. Something they were gonna throw out. You know, I mean, like I've taken like. <laughs> I've taken the, you know, when they're when they're trimming off the lettuce, you know, uh -huh. to put it out. Those trimmings are perfectly good. To tr trim, you, so you walk me through that. You're in the grocery store. Yeah, and so the guy's standing there in mm -hmm. the in the counter, and they're taking off the outside leaves of the lettuce. Yeah, that's perfectly good lettuce. As a matter of fact, the outside leaves are more nourishing because they're greener. Mm-hmm. So. And you were like, "Are you gonna throw those out?" I was like, "I have a rabbit." <laughs> But you lied. You lied and said you had a rabbit? I had a rabbit. You had a rabbit, but it wasn't for the rabbit. <laughs> I didn't have a rabbit. I have a chicken. <laughs> the chickens liked it, too. No, I mean, yeah, you get the best, and I get the adequate. And it's not better or worse. It's just I have these habits that I developed, I believe keep me financially independent so these are my little freedom habits no i mean they do i think when it's something like that to me i perceive as being small like fish sauce it's a five it's a four to seven dollar range right so it's not like as far as cars go i get the best or as far as shoes or things like that but groceries i know can add up and it's little things that definitely add up do you get yourself some lizzie i do I'm 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 chilling some, it. Do you get me some whiskey? No, it's your responsibility <laughs> to get your own whiskey. Is it your responsibility to cook your own pad thai? No. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Pain in the ass. See, I'm already. This is already hitting me. <laughs> okay, you'll do it to anyone. All right, I have a mystery. I'm supposed to use tamarind puree, and this is tamarind concentrate. I should use one teaspoon for six persons for specific tastes of soups, stews. I guess we'll just use one teaspoon. Yeah, I think that's all right. That would be my opinion. Fair enough. Okay. I'm not even gonna Google it. It's gonna be chill. Right. See, I'm a maximizer. That's a problem. What do you mean? That's like someone. Have you read? You read um, the Paradox of Choice? Yes. And that's the one. The satisficer is the person who chooses the first thing that meets their needs. Uh huh. And the maximizer is someone who like has to see all the options and like obsesses, you know. Right. 
and then has to find like wants to squeeze the most value out of every single thing. But satisficers are happier, so I'm trying to be more of a satisficer. What am I? <laughs> I would guess that you're a satisficer. I don't know. You know, I think I made a choice a long time ago. Um, sort of, it sort of queers the deal when you realize that you can choose to be happy. Mm. That nothing makes you happy, you choose to be happy. I had this really beautiful experience um, where I found on my hard drive, um, buried in some subcategory, mm -hmm. um, the last conversation I had with my best friend before he died. Mm. And I asked him to, if, if I could record a blessing, you know, just something in his voice that was acknowledging of our relationship. Oh, who is this? Joe? This is a guy named Kim Posich. Mm. Um, we talked for 15 years every week on the phone. He was the person I could say anything to, and mm -hmm. he could say anything to me. We could call each other out. We, um, you know, whether, you know, we were full of shit in the direction of not acknowledging ourselves or it just, it was the most beautiful friendship. Um, anyway, so um, one of the things he said is one of the things I love about you most is how you can take pleasure in anything and you can take pleasure in other people taking pleasure. Mm. You just sit there with a big smile on your face. And so it's sort of like I have uh, overridden the uh, consumer programming about, you know, better, worse, da 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 da. I mean, I'll, I will enjoy a beautiful meal mm -hmm. with OPM, other people's money. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this thing called OPM. I, I really, oh, cheers. Ching, ching. Cheers. Ching, ching. To um, wonderful quarantine. Yeah, here's to our quarantine. Mm -hmm. Yes, one of the big benefits of um, writing Your Money, Your Life back in the day when they sent authors on tours was that sometimes, I mean, people would take me out mm -hmm. for like really nice meals. Mm -hmm. And how had you been living? You'd been living under the standards of Your Money, or Your Life. So what had you been doing the last few years? I mean, how I've been living before people started taking me out for mm -hmm. nice meals and perfectly done steaks and mm -hmm. things like that. <laughs> rice and beans and beans and rice and rice and beans. <laughs> and once a week, a, uh, once a week, we would have a steak. You know, a, everybody gets a little piece of Chuck steak. <laughs> so this was, you were living in the ultimate vehicle? No, no, no. We were living in Seattle. They were okay. living in a group house with, in, okay. with friends in Seattle. Um, yeah, so salads, stir fry, fried rice, rice and beans, spaghetti, you know, mm -hmm. poor people food. <laughs> and, and, um, but there was somebody in that household that I lived in who loved to go to cook. So it was like, great. I'm going to love anything that is put before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, do you have oyster sauce? I don't. Okay, I missed that somehow. I mean, we'll live without it, but... What is that like? Is it like soy sauce or, or mm. sesame oil? or? Let's see, this is when I Google oyster sauce substitute. I'm so mad. I just somehow that slipped the radar. Do we have hoisin sauce? I am... Um... It says soy sauce and hoisin sauce at a one-to-one -one ratio. So worst case scenario, I'll just do just soy sauce. Oh. 
here in the back of the fridge. Oh, Lord. Way beyond its pull date. Um, I have something. Is it alive? A, to a roasted red, a Thai kitchen roasted red chili paste. Um, probably not, it's... right? Oh, it's got mold in it. Oh, okay. Well, let's throw it out then. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just use soy sauce. Okay. Okay. I think hoisin sauce has has uh, it's like soy sauce with sugar. Okay, we have some palm sugar in it, so that's good. Oh yeah. So when I made you, what did I, I got? Shiitake mushrooms, and you were like, "You're," a, you said, "You're a very upscale eater," <laughs> and I felt like caught. I felt like, <gasps> oh dear. No. Okay. No. But it's there's like. Like, I have a friend who's an amazing chef, and she said, like, we spend a lot of money on ingredients and food, because that's, like, our hobby. Our right. cooking is, like, our thing. And to me, it's like, well, I learned to cook, and I don't go out, so I sh I'm allowed to buy a little nicer You're allowed to buy whatever you I mean, want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really. But, I mean, I'm also looking at, like, what the is my problem no, and why so, can't I figure money out so you know well, these things you know, deserve to be questioned you know what another one is I I don't know I think I trained myself I don't think I was brought up this way but I you know I I early on way before even I met Joe I had it wired that the less I spent the longer the money went the more adventures I could have I would, you know, for some reason, I was just so committed to not working for some, selling my brain. Mm -hmm. I just like see it seemed like such a bad idea, <laughs> and so I lived on very little money. But um, it gave me, and I felt, you know, in a little way, a bit snooty about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I can live on nothing. It means for me, living on nothing. I mean, I wrote about this recently that this question of why don't I feel poor when I operate I operated for so many years on less than poverty income and it's really because I'm privileged in a strange way but I learned what do you mean by privileged in a strange well, way well I because I'm white I'm educated I'm intelligent mm. I'm articulate I can I have an ability to um, move in any any kind of social circle. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I feel about the risk of being a writer. Because I feel like if I need to get a good job, I can. <laughs> because I have a network and, I yeah, I don't face the prejudices that other people would face that lead to fewer employment opportunities. Right, exactly. And, of course, I... You know, I fledged, you know, I graduated from college and started my adult life. You know, in that privileged boomer time when, you know, we just, there were always, I, I, I talk about it, so I'm, I'm getting a little articulate because of the um, whiskey, but I, I talk about it as like, you know, my parents' generation, the greatest generation, the one that went through the uh, Depression and the, and the Second World War, they were brought up by parents who lost all their money or who were, you know, in that circumstance of extreme deprivation, sort of a little bit like what this COVID thing is doing to us if it were to last longer, you know, a great deal longer. Mm -hmm. So they were savers. I mean, mm -hmm. 
the savings rate at that time was 20% when I, in the 1950s when I was growing up. The savings rate was 20%, and the uh, marginal, top marginal tax rate was around 90%. 90 people were taxed 90%? Well, it's the marginal tax rate. So what is marginal tax rate? Well, you know, when you pay your taxes, you know, like, like when you figure your taxes even now, it's sort of like for the first $25,000, you figure it at this percentage. Oh. And then the next, ex, you know, the next between 25 and whatever your number is, you, ta you do it at that number. So um, basically, the mar it's not like people, wealthier people were taxed 90% of their income. They were taxed that mar the top marginal rate was 90%. So, oh, anything over $5 million, you got taxed on Oh, that. $5 million, that was like, anybody. there was nobody who had $5 million. Yeah. My father was a doctor, and he earned $40,000 a year. And I sort of knew when I was a kid, when I heard that number, that it was like, that was really high. Mm-hmm. You know, my first job, <laughs> my first job, I earned, I might have been a dollar an hour, but it might have been 75 cents. Um, Crazy. I, I got four, 475, I think. And then also when I, when I graduated and I went out on my own, I was told that your rent um, should be 25% of your income. Rent is 25%. Net or gross? Um, I don't even know if I was taught to think that way. I think it was yeah. probably gross. Um, okay, so let me think. Gross. Gross is before they take taxes out because you look at it and then they're like, now I have to take taxes. And you're like, gross. <laughs> no, that's how you would do it. We didn't do it that way. Um, that's how I remember it. Yeah, so I mean... Now people are paying 50% for just for housing. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was, you know, when I was, when I was a girl, when I was a girl, it was, you know, I lived on Long Island and, and, and what uh, my father um, was friends with whatever his name is, Levitt, who built Levittown, you know, and Levittown was, was the houses were, I mean, somebody now would, you know, they're close to tiny houses, you know? Yeah, I'm not Levitt, familiar with Levittown. Yeah, Levittown was sort of like a two-bedroom, very small house, you mm -hmm. know, like 800 square feet or something. Um, but it was revolutionary that people could have their own homes. Mm. It's just such a different world um, then than now. So I used to say that, you know, m my parents' generation built the topsoil for the economy. Mm. You know, there was a sort of a big headroom, big margin, you know, that they built into things because they were savers and because they were conservative. And we, um, the boomers just spent it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we just took advantage of that degree you know, the shoulders we were standing on were shoulders that were very stable. Mm -hmm. You know, people who were raised by boomer parents, there's a lot of them who, you know, felt like they were the adults in the house. Mm. So my mom is 
70 now. So is she a She's boomer? a boomer. Okay. She'll talk about, like, in the 80s how, like, the credit cards are just like, you can have anything you want. This is really nice whiskey by this, but, you know, so we're going to, like, this is going to be the, my model for, like, standing in the store and going, like, I can have a nice whiskey. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, you know what I think about? I did get kind of spoiled by the time that my boyfriend at the time and I were both, we were dinks, right? Like, I had a good job for the first time in my life. I'd been a newspaper reporter. I made 26000 to $28,000 a year. Then I'd been a Peace Corps volunteer. Then I got this job at a tech company. And I'd been broke my entire life. And we did it up, you know, and he had a really good job. And I almost wish, like, like I think it has been a little detrimental to ever have had that time in my life because I'm always trying to get back there, right? right. And I feel, it's hard because I feel very positive about my career, but I'm like, I need to live like I'm, I mean, I'm a writer. It's hard because I feel successful because of, like, what happened with the Fuck Off Fund and my book has, like, been well-received and people really liked it. None of that means I have a lot of money. Exactly. No, that's what people don't know about writers. Yeah. I try to explain to people that that you know how the price on the cover of the book is fourteen ninety five? I get a dollar of that. Yeah. And it's like, what? Set a timer for five minutes. <laughs> is that Siri? That's Siri. I don't all the noodles have to be underneath water? Yeah, they do. And you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I think you and I are um, alike in um, that we have a, a similar sort of what you call laser. You know, we have a similar eye for opportunity and whether it's an opportunity for a joke or for something clever. You know, it's like a attention towards insertion of something in the flowing stream. Um, and so that's another privilege. It's it's that it's you could call it entrepreneurial, but it's something even a little bit more. It's um I mean it is creative and like entrepreneurial is creative. Like totally. Entre- being an entrepreneur means you're creating value. Well maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe a successful entrepreneur may be creating value. Unsuccessful entrepreneur doing things your way and hoping that you can sell it. Fair enough. Woo! This whiskey is really nice. <laughs> I'm going to get you hooked on good whiskey. I know. It's really... <laughs> it is, there's something to be said for like, I've never tried the good stuff, and thank God, because now I don't know what I'm missing for sure. Yeah. What do you think, Bella? Are you going to switch over to good whiskey now, just because? Did she ruin us? I ruined you. I ruined Vicky Robin. <laughs> right. She's now... You're with you or your life. <laughs> she's now dissolute. <laughs> Eats at restaurants every night because yeah. she's completely spoiled. She can't imagine cooking for herself anymore. I'm going to do an expose. So I read a book that was written in the 50s. It was a World War II book. So, no, it was written recently, but it took place... Actually, it would be the 40s if it was World War II. And, um... Sorry. <laughs> when I get into the whiskey, my my history gets off. Um, is it the whiskey or is, is it just nothing exists for you before the uh, year 2000? It was 1942. 
Um, but he said he was going off to war and there was a line and for the first time in my mother's life, she went to a restaurant and Mm. it's like, holy hell. And then you look at like my generation and it's like, oh, I didn't go to a restaurant today. I'm doing good. It's just this like shift. And I like how Dave Ramsey says like, when you go to a restaurant, you're paying someone to do your chores. Right. And sometimes it's really nice to pay someone to do your chores. You know, you get (laughs) to sashay in, sit down, somebody cleans the table. Yeah. But if you do it every day, that's the whole, that's one of the, your money, your life principles is is proportion, you know, Mm -hmm. doing things just enough so they are still treats. Mm -hmm. You know, finding that sweet spot where... It's not like you're starving for it. And so you can't even enjoy the situation because I'm going out to eat and I've never been out to eat. And I, it's like, you know, you can't enjoy it because it's just been too long. So mm-hmm. it's finding that sweet spot. And it may be restaurants once a week or twice a week or once a month or, you know, it's all different for all people. It's like I like to go get do like a little coffee treat once a week, you know, like my Monday coffee or something. Um... I'm tempted to do it all the time, but I just do my little mate. Um, but it kind of reminds me, especially the quarantine reminds me of Peace Corps a little bit. Right. Because it's like, then when you get those things again, it's like, oh my God. Like, I realized right. that that coffee place was open with the bagels, and I was like, I'm going to go get a bagel on a coffee <laughs> place. going to be amazing. I know. Big treat. Big treat. Well, that's actually, it's a way that you can create value is by uh, focus on proportion. Mm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, you have to have things... Like they say, you know, in eating, that they, you should stop eating when you're 80% full. Uh-huh. Um, because beyond that, it, it starts to create some discomfort, not comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just have to have just enough, not too much and not too little, just enough, sort of that Goldilocks thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have a consistent, ongoing experience of pleasure. Mm. See, I'm, I'm modulating pleasure. I'm not depriving myself. Modulating pleasure. Yeah, there's, there's this line in a Radiohead song that says, everything all of the time. He's saying, everything all the time. And I'm like, that is my generation. Yeah, but they, then you have nothing. You have nothing special. Mm. You have nothing special. And nothing is special. You know, that's yeah. maybe one of the problems of how things mm-hmm. are now. And that's why people can be so fucking waste, excuse me, expression, with the resources of the earth is that the earth is special. You know, like a plastic bag is special. <laughs> that's the earth. Like a paper bag is special. Those are special. That's part, why, that's part of like, if you want to like get underneath my frugality, a lot of it is honoring the resources of the planet as they move through my hands. Mm-hmm. It's it's not about Vicky deserves or this or gets that. It's about an appropriate, it's all relational. It's an appropriate use. And I sometimes overdo it in the, in the direction of too little. Mm. When um, do you know you've like, you're like, this is too little? Well, here's an, a, a recent example. A recent illustration. Yes. So, so a friend um, painted some trim on my house for me, you know, because it was just a chore and needed to be done, and he did it. Um, but I didn't realize that he left the paintbrush 
just wrapped in newspaper to having cleaned it. Mm -hmm. So I went and found the paintbrush and it was like completely caked with paint. Mm -hmm. Now, a, another person might go like toss it because mm -hmm. it was only whatever, $3. But for me, it's like, no, that's a fucking, excuse me. Yeah, it's a paint. That's something that has been created. That's wood from the planet. Those are fibers. This is like, no, I'm going to salvage it and I'm going to use it. That's the sort of thing. It's um, and so I was when I was doing it, I was thinking, you know, probably you're investing more life energy in this than it's really worth. You know, because mm -hmm. I always have to. Sometimes I'm I'm bending over backwards to sort of jerry rig something when if I was willing to spend, you know, $10 on a new XYZ, whatever that is, mm -hmm. um, the product would be better and I wouldn't be like for months on end, you know, trying to like close the gate and like do the loop around, the, you know, it's like, yeah. so um, that's what I mean. I sometimes err on the side of I'll use, I'll, I'll only use it if I have it in my sort of back 40, my, I have like a lot of, I have a lot of, you know, old hardware and screws and things like that. So I don't, I don't like go out and buy new. I, I find it in what I have. Mm -hmm. And that to me, and, and part of that is the training I had with Joe, you know, he was, so I, I, <laughs> I think I joked if you noticed that Ramit Sethi book about I will teach you to be rich. And yeah. it's sort of like Joe is I will teach you to be poor. <laughs> you know, and just the attitudes and skills of somebody who who really understands the value of everything because it's it's not in endless supply. Were you as you weren't as frugal before Joe, but were you frugal? Like was that a part of I was frugal because, I, as I say, I wanted the money to last. I think, and also, I was trained by my mother, mm. who grew, whose family lost everything in the Depression. Mm. And so even though my father was a doctor and, and, and you know, his income was, was upper middle class, my mother had depression habits. Mm -hmm. mm. My grandmother had depression habits, for sure. And we teased her about it. <laughs> Like, just like little assholes, you know? Yeah, so, um, like, like my, my personal frugality, like the year I went to school in a uh, junior year in Spain, and, um, I had a certain amount of money for that whole, you know, to pay for college that whole year. And I made it last, like, almost a year and a half. Um, and I, like, I would go... Um, I got, I, I bought a car and every weekend I, I just wanted to see everything. I wanted to experience everything. Every weekend I would take like, like it was a Volkswagen, right? Mm -hmm. And I would get like four or five friends <laughs> and we would pile into the Volkswagen. The and beetle? I, like a little bug? Yeah. And I would, we would go somewhere and we would have a bag of oranges a bag of um, those um, baguettes mm -hmm. and maybe a hunk of cheese. Mm -hmm. And that was our food for the whole time. And maybe we would like stop somewhere and get like a bistec, you know, like mm -hmm. a, just a little piece of meat or something like that. 
but so and then we would um we would go and 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 you could knock on the door of of monasteries or nunneries and you could sleep there for like a quarter essentially mm-hmm. and you would get to sleep in this you know pile of straw and they would give you a wine bottle a corked wine bottle full of hot water and that's what you had mm-hmm. um and uh, so it was like i like being close to the edge that's where i feel very alive and so for me if i'd gone first class if i you know if i'd done it a different way i wouldn't have had a number of experiences like i would travel third class and i probably on trains and there's a lot of danger to that <laughs> but it was it felt like i was having a more direct experience Mm. of real life you know i would meet so these true. tourists who would come through and you know they were staying in the best hotels and they you know were going on tour buses and i thought i was a little snooty you know it's like mm-hmm. they 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 don't see anything mm-hmm. like i was in when i was in spain um on um on uh easter um was it easter yeah i went to the ferias in in sevilla and we stayed up all night, you know, and we didn't go to anything official. We just wandered around and people were singing flamenco and dancing. And, you know, it was just, um, yeah, the less money I've spent, the, you know, I don't feel that way anymore. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't have it anymore. And I still do it to myself. Like I was in Brazil and I stayed at a hotel that was like, I didn't even want to get undressed. And it was like, nope, Vicky, you're so never gross. doing yeah. this again. Yeah. But when I was younger, it was like, okay, fine. It's... So anyway, there's, I think the difference is that when you're doing it voluntarily, when you're mm-hmm. doing it for, and you have a choice, then it's very different from, you have no way to get out of the circumstance you're in, you know? Yeah. And that, that is, it's not material, it's not financial poverty, it's, it's opportunity poverty. It's, it's like, yeah, because of your race or your upbringing or, you know, your whatever, you know, your education, um, you know, some sort of whether you're you're recognized as beautiful or you don't you're not as as beautiful to look at. All of those things, you know, those are opportunities that you you have to work harder for. I mean, mm-hmm. as a woman um, growing up when I did, yeah. I mean, I just I know I would have had. I, and I've had a fairly influential life, but I might have had a more influential life if I'd been a man. Mm. You know, I've had a lot of opportunity for a woman mm. of my generation. There's something, too, that I've cultivated for whatever reason. I, I have the um, privilege, talent, whatever you want to call it, fame, capital, that I could be functioning the higher society than I do. Mm-hmm. I could, I could, and I, I know there's plenty of people who have, um, who have regarded me um, as higher status because of that. Mm-hmm. 
but I'm not, I don't like that. I, I, I want to be, uh, I don't want to be separated. I don't want to be a part and above. I want to be part of, not above. And so I really cultivate the experience of moving in and amongst a lot of different uh, social classes, religious beliefs, everything. That's another aspect of my relationship with things. So like not living in a gated community. Yeah, yeah, that would be like very hard for me. I wouldn't want to do it. Which is funny. I mean, there's a lot of people who's like, man, let me edit. Yeah, I mean, this was, you know, I think it was sour grapes for sure. But when I was younger, we were like all down on gated communities. But I do think it's like, it just looks bad. It just is, it still rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I have some friends who are... Um, sort of a bit of my my values and um, they had they were looking for a retreat house where they could do retreats and have about you know eight to ten people stay there mm -hmm. and the place they found was in a gated community and they were so apologetic every time they give the directions <laughs> there there's like I'm so sorry you have to like do this this keypad on the gate and it's not really our choice it's not like what we want you know <laughs> So they have that sensibility. It's sort of like this house, you know. It's like, it's like this is, this is too much house for me, you know. A lot of people would like two thousand square foot house. Well, that's a nice single person's house. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I pack it with people. And one cat, right, Belle? These are undercooked. I guess I'll just put them in this more. Yeah, you could do it that way, or. Um, See, the thing is, it's now mixed up with the bean sprouts, and the, yeah. be and the bean sprouts will lose their crunch. Yeah. We'll add more raw ones on top. Okay. We'll do the raw. Maybe top. I'll do more sauce. I wonder how much. Let me see. This is what I always do with noodles. I'm like, one packet. That's what it called for four ounces, and I put 16 ounces. <laughs> see, this so. is what I'm talking about, about proportion <laughs> and enoughness. And my portions are way the fuck off. Yeah, All so right, we're going to just make a larger yeah. quantity. Mm, and yeah. since you're getting on an it's airplane, I get to eat Pad Thai forever. Yeah, you can eat Pad Thai forever now. Forever. Forever. Okay. Ba -ba -da -da. No big deal. Looking at numbers is important. So as soon as I sign that big contract for the ghost book. What is that? Ghost writing. Is oh, this is, this is palm sugar. Oh, way to do this is so as soon as you signed the contract you bought something no i started looking at nicer apartments <laughs> than i had been looking at and i was like no no bitch no no so what did you find just you know just well studios in, in capitol hill are uh 1400 now for a studio it's crazy Plus, plus utilities and everything else. Oh yeah, so so my rent now is gonna be eight fifty plus utilities and everything else. So basically, uh, half of what you were paying for a studio in Capitol Hill. Yeah, uh, and it's so cute over there. Oh my gosh, I love it. The neighborhood is adorable. It's right near this really pretty park. 
Yeah. Right. Like, we're just shaving the palm sugar, and then we're just like, ah, just chop it up and throw just it in. Just chop it and it. <laughs> right. I mean, like, as long as one proportion's out of proportion, you know, just like every proportion can be out of proportion. <laughs> well, you know, this is what I call being a wartime chef, where you're just like, oh, shit, fucked it up. Now can you fix it? That's, I think that's probably the highest, the highest thing you can do as a chef is, like, make up recipes that are actually really delicious. I got to the point where I could follow recipes, and now I'm at the point where I can rescue them when I've messed them up, and that, to me, feels good. Feels like a good place. Yeah, exactly. I When I was working in my food book, I got some. I got a, a little booklet, and I think I still have it, called Rescuing Food. Mm. And, um, yeah, like like if, if something's too salty, you put a potato in. Oh, Okay. And the potato will absorb the salt. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, this looks more like pad thai now. <laughs> I was like, what is it like? Looking, looking right. Yeah. Oh, yum. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Look at that. That All that sugar. Now all I, that sugar, baby. That's why it's so delicious, huh? Mm-hmm, I guess so. Are we going to sit down soon so I, I should yes. get, get ready? Yes, we are. We're almost ready here. I'm going to put the... Peanuts in it. So my my new roommate who said she likes to clean and the other roommate gave her just like 40 bucks a month to clean. So I asked her like, oh, do you like to cook? And she said, no, you know, I try, but I don't really like it. So I offered her two dinners a week in exchange Uh for cleaning and she is down for that. That is great. Proud of myself. Yes. That was a nice little frugal move. Frugal move. Frugal move. <laughs> hey, that's a frugal move. When I moved out of this group household, mm-hmm. I was insane because my expenses were super low because I was sharing most expenses with a group of other people. How many were there? There were eight of us. Okay. Well, and then when I moved out, there were about seven, six, seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and and the house was paid off and I was part owner and, you know, so the, we did an, an ecological footprint. You know mm-hmm. what the ecological footprint is? Mm-mm. It's a methodology for measuring consumption in terms of um, pieces of the planet that you're consuming. Like this Mm -hmm. table, the footprint of this table is like, okay, where did the wood come from? You know, the footprint of this rug is where did the wool come from and and how much, you know, how much of the planet is that wool? You don't, like... (laughs) I'm just like, the... The amount that we're, okay, like, encouraged to think about this is, like, zero. Exactly. Like, no one, there's no, like, hashtag ecological footprint. Like I've Yes, never there seen. is. I mean, I'm sure there, okay, there okay, is. Okay, I'm going to, like. All right. So, look up hashtag sexy and tell me how many posts there are, and then look up hashtag ecological footprint and tell so me So, we're going into Twitter? Is that what we're doing? That's, uh, no, I think it's on Instagram. Instagram, yeah, okay. Hashtag. <laughs> Yeah, but that's, yeah, so here we go. Where, where do we, how do we do this? Okay. <laughs> how do we do this? How do we do this? Okay, hashtag. 
See, one of my best friends actually is one of the creators of it. Of Instagram? No, of the ecological okay. brand. I don't know. I don't know what circles you run in. <laughs> ecological footprint. 7,368 posts. Okay, that's like nothing. No, it's not. It's not nothing. <laughs> okay. So now look up hashtag sexy and tell me. No, no, no. That's that's just too extreme. So hashtag climate change. Let's try okay. that. Let's talk about things I care about. Oh, 3,752,000. <laughs> so you just see what I'm saying. It's not... <laughs> I mean, you know. Anyway, I don't know why I brought up the ecological footprint, but it's something you're supposed to know about before you leave my house. It's part of the okay. training. How? It's part of my training. <laughs> Here I am, Vicky Robin Boot Camp. I will say I have come to see things a little differently since living here. Like, I see a plastic bag more differently. Because I see how you... It, this is one thing that I, I really appreciate. It's how someone else acts that affects you, not what they say. Right. So one of my biggest lessons was um, I went to this super cool craft school for two weeks to do glass bead making. And my teacher was named Heather. And so there was only one place to get stuff, and that was Walmart. And so while we were there, I was, like, sitting at a table with a bunch of, like, general, like, craft hippies. And someone was like, oh, fuck Starbucks. And I could have lied and been like, I don't go to Starbucks. But I was like, I'll, I'll be honest, I go every now and then. The four of them started screaming at me. Like I had said, like, yeah, I murder a kid every now and then. <laughs> and, like, they really made me feel embarrassed and alone. And I was just like, it was just awful. And maybe they were saying things that were true. But the way that I felt was awful. Meanwhile, we were going to make a run to Walmart. And my teacher, Heather, was like, no, I don't shop at Walmart. And we were like, yeah, but it's the only place. And she goes, there's nothing I need so badly that I would buy it from Walmart. And I ended up going home and, like, researching Walmart and how bad it was. And then I stopped shopping there. Right. And I thought that was so interesting because those two events happened in the same place in, like, the same week. When I, what I see at your house is how you save things, how you reuse things, how you act like this is a part of the planet that I'm not just going to toss away. You know, so I, I feel like my, it has changed my vision on those things a little bit. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. It's all this, that's the ecological footprint. The awareness mm -hmm. that the planet is flowing through your life. And so, you know, everything, you know, this is a piece of the earth. I mean, where did mm -hmm. any of this come from? This is, there's not such a thing as a knife. Mm -hmm. There's metal and plastic and rivets and, and China and... These are all pieces of the earth, and mm. you don't see it because mm -hmm. of the consumer culture. There was this movie at SIF one time, and it was about what happened in South America when the Ford factory went down there. Oh, huh. And it was awful. Uh -huh. It was, I, I believe it was in the Amazon. Right, yeah. And the rubber trees and how they would torture the people there if they didn't produce the amount they were supposed to. I mean, it was heart-wrenching. Right. And it was just this part of the story. I think there's story. a city called Fordlandia or something. Yeah. Like, he, like, tried to make this kind yeah, of, like, yeah. American I... 50s city down. We just, we live in this very, like, 
there's the the red velvet curtain around right. our life. Right. You know, very much so. And I think it's it's very painful to pull that back and to be like, am I part of what makes people starve in India? Am totally. I part of what is destroying, you know, what is making, like, I don't want to feel like I'm personally helping to make the blue whale go extinct. Right. That's an awful feeling. So I think it can be, the reaction can be like, oh, tree huggers or like whatever, you know, like. Mm-hmm. It's easier to think the other person who's telling you that or acting like that is crazy than no, I am. I'm the bad guy in this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's nobody wants to have that bad feeling that I'm a bad person, mm-hmm. so they will shoot the messenger rather than consider the message. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really about love and respect. Mm-hmm. It's like. When you think that everything in this earth is is also, it's sort of like if there's a body of the earth, everything is an essential part of the body. You know, like you could take out the pancreas and I don't know, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you <laughs> want to be the noodle tester? I'll be the noodle tester. Okay. Mmm. They're still a little rubbery, but I don't okay. think we're going to get there. Oh, damn it. Okay. All right. Well, Paulette's famous rubbery yeah. tie mm. on the way. I mean, I don't think it's going to... I don't think they're going to cook in... Yeah. I tried to put a little water in there, but you know what? Ain't the same deal. It's so good. Good. And who knew how to make pot tie? The internet. <laughs> oh, is that who knows everything? <laughs> Madame, your pad thai. Oh, thank you. Oh, look, and I have a lime and everything. Mm-hmm. Yum. Yum. It's all that sugar. That's what the deal is. <laughs> yeah, geez Louise. Jeez. I didn't know that either. I mean, really. Talking about looking behind the curtain. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. I'm thankful for this food. I am thankful for this food. I'm thankful for who grew it, who cooked it. I'm thankful for the chicken giving her life. That flavor is so good. Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. So it's tamarind, oyster sauce. Mm-hmm. Oh, I realized I did have oyster sauce too. It was the red thing with all the Japanese writing on it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I added that when I did more of the sauce. You got this at Wajimaya. Mm-hmm. Now I know how to make pad thai. So the people in your new house, do they eat meals together? Um, I'm not sure. There's only three of mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that'll be nice. So there's only two of you in the house, and one of them is away all day. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and I think I can put, like, an office down in the, um, in the main area. <clears throat> the room is small. Really small. Like, eight feet something by nine feet small. With a really big closet, though. So I'm gonna put my off. I'm gonna put like my desk in the closet, and the closet has a window in it too. And I loved her dog. She was so sweet. And then there's somebody downstairs. Mm-hmm. There's a mom and her seven-year-old daughter in the basement. And will you have any contact with them? I don't think so. Apart from the like, if I see them outside. Then there's like a storage garage in the back, and there's this weird little piece. It's hard to describe. It's like. A little piece of the yard that's fenced off. It's behind the garage. It's oddly, like, kind of triangular shaped. 
it would kind of just be the perfect place to put a hot tub. But it's, like, fenced in, and we don't, like, there's nothing in there, but the girl and I were talking, and we're like, we should do something with this, but I don't even know what we would do. I don't know. Garden? Probably a hot tub. It could be a garden. I wonder if it would get enough sun. A garden would be awesome. Somebody on a podcast today talked about, wants to start, like, from this time, resilience gardens versus victory gardens mm-hmm. and there's actually it's like the thing with um it was hard for us to get our baby chicks because everybody's getting baby chicks I and mean, there wasn't any flour in the store because everybody's baking mm-hmm. i think there's going to be a lot of gardening that's left over from the the pandemic mm-hmm. so like a shortage of seeds i think there is a shortage of seeds i think there is a shortage of seeds the seed companies are selling out mm. and we fortunately have people who grow and package seeds here in the island mm-hmm. so they've been supplying everybody that's wild is it Monsanto no <laughs> mm-hmm. and these are organic homegrown seeds grown by some people who are some of my dear friends that's as good as it gets as far as I'm concerned mm-hmm One of my big questions right now in my life is like, what my financial goal should even be after I pay off my debt? Like, should I even try to get a house in Seattle? I don't know. The house that I'm going to be living in is like an $800,000 house. So why would you get a house? <sighs> Just the feeling that it's like something that I have that can't be taken away. It's like, it's mine. It definitely feels like an accomplishment that, I mean, this is probably like boomer. Sorry, mom. This is um, like, that's uh, using a house as a marker or something. Yeah, totally. Sort of like, I should be married by the time I'm X. I should have kids mm. by the time I'm Y. Yeah. I should have a house because that's a responsible thing to do. Yeah, I'm really big into that kind of shit. It's an expensive habit of mine. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Because, honestly, I mean, you see, you see what it takes to maintain a house. Mm-hmm. Is it okay in your mind to like rent, to be like, I'm going to rent for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. And renting gives you a lot of flexibility mm. and houses give you stability. So it's like you just work those edges. A house used to be a way to build wealth. It may not be now. Mm. Comes back, real estate is going to stay strong. Mm-hmm. Um, probably it's going to stay strong anyway because of Amazon. But I think you should do some more research about practicality. Because you also could like save up money for a few years and keep an ear to the ground. Mm-hmm. Where do I want to be? Is Seattle really my city? Do I want to live in a more rural place? Do I want to live in a cheaper place? Do I want to live in... You know, you watch and... Maybe all your friends move because they can't afford Seattle anymore, and there you are. You have a house. It's extremely expensive um, because you've lucked out financially. You've sort of outclassed your, your friends. Mm-hmm. So I think you would save and pay attention for a couple of years. See what really... You don't know also if you're going to partner again. I would think you will. You know, You like it. You're creative. You're fun. <laughs> um, pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that. 
So then you're going to be making decision with another person. That's true. Nothing like buying a house in uh, 2005 in Florida that'll take that idea out of your mind. <laughs> right. You've already had that once. Mm-hmm. You can spend this year, whatever, how long we're long, doing your contract. Really, you know, designing a life. Designing a life. Not acting on it. Not just, you know, in the design phase. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, community is so important to me, and it's so hard to leave the community that I've built in Seattle. You know. I really like people here, and I don't know. You know, I just, I have such a big writing community and network and such a good thing going in a way. Just rebuilding that seems really lonely yeah you're um it's an interesting moment in your life because mm -hmm. you are unattached and you're at that i'm turning 40 soon i'm supposed to be an adult sort mm -hmm. of really so it should be like you know these next couple of years are design years really like like what really do i love you know not like like the superficial love yeah, and give yourself time mm -hmm. to do that and build up resource. Having roommates can be such a benefit. You know, it can be a <laughs> fucking nightmare, too. And I've had the fucking nightmare. I've had many fucking nightmares, roommates. But, like, when it's good, it's so good. And, like, those are, like, your friends. And it's nice to have people at home and, like, so. Tell me about it. You've ruined my solitude for me. <laughs> no joke. I mean, I'm going to figure out how to... How to have more, more, really deeper connection in my home. Mm -hmm. I thought you were really, it was interesting. Like, I think as you get deeper into life, you kind of are like, know who you are and how to say things. And I really appreciate how you were like, this is my space. This is my space. Like, you get the room, you know? And like, if you need to cook a big meal, like, you can use the kitchen. But like, in general, like, you are renting the room. And it was like, so nice to just like, know that, you know? Be right. Like, okay. It's just nice to have that kind of, like... Clarity. Clarity, yeah, which is can be hard for, you know, like when I was... Now that I'm 37, you know, I'm a much different roommate than I would be if I were, like, 18. You're like, right. You, like, can't say anything, you know, or set any boundaries. Yeah, and negotiate boundaries. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's about, like, 80%, 82% of life is just that. Mm. It's just... You know, where are the lines? How do you feel? Can we move it? Yeah. How can we make this work for both of us? Oh, that's so good. Yay. All right, now we get our computers out. Oh, God. <laughs> you gonna make it? Nope. Never. Never? You just know it's enough? You're like, enough. It's way more than enough. <laughs> it's just interesting that you're not, like, going ape shit. Like, if I knew if I was like, I have way more than enough, I'd be like, okay, well, let's get the hot tub in here.
First step, order a hot tub. Everything that you own owns you. What if it's an amazing hot tub? Yeah, it'd be nice. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Ugh, I just got a rejection letter. <laughs> um, she did say this is a genuine request to resubmit in the future. This piece was great; it just didn't work for us. Nice. So, um, yeah, that's a good idea. Why don't Why don't I get a hot tub? If you get a hot tub after I move out, I'm gonna be a little pissed. It will be after you move out because oh. you're leaving tomorrow. Oh, that's true. But I think about you know, I mean. I take hot baths whenever I want to, mm -hmm. and I don't have to maintain it. I just, like, the water goes in, it's hot. Yeah, I really, a hot tub is, or, like, a tub is just one thing. Like, even from when I was a kid, I just always loved taking baths. Yeah. I think it's, like, the solitude, the, like, physical comfort of it. I know. Uh, so I good. I love it. Yeah. Okay, so this is my Excel spreadsheet. It's called the Dream Actualization Command Center. This is my retirement. I have five retirement accounts because I need to, like, roll them over. Oh, great. And so yeah, I, I mean, this is very fire. Everything. Is it? Yeah, I mean, people are very conscious of that. I mean, I did this in, in sort of the old clunky way, in the Model P way. You know, I didn't, like, do tax planning or I didn't do any of that. I'm just such a bad person for fire. I think I'm going to have enough money to, like, actually pay off my... I've been, like, a month behind on my insurance premium. I think I can pay both of them this month. All right, my investments went up, but they're certainly not to pre-coronavirus levels. Exactly. Zillow and Trulia were very close in mm. their um, estimation of the price of my house. Are you going to be one of those people who leaves everything to your cat? No. <laughs> oh, my. Redfin has uh, sees it as a lot, worth a lot more. Interesting. Yeah. I would just average them all out. How about that? Yeah, but they don't know how much nicer I made it. Mm -hmm. I mean, my house is worth a lot more here, this one, than what it would show. The one I'm in right now, uh -huh. it's worth a lot more than what they would say on Zillow because mm. nobody knows about the two apartments downstairs. Oh, they, yeah. They don't know about the kind of siding I put on. They don't know anything. Mm -hmm. They don't know anything. They don't know shit. They don't know your shit. new fence, your new amazing fence. Yeah. So you added the front patio and, and took out a back patio to put in your nook, right? Yeah, we added the side. I added the side. The balcony, the two apartments, the whole thing. Wow. Estimate five hundred grand. Wow. So double what you paid. Right. Crazy. Right. Why do you have people doing their net worth? Because it's sort of a good thing to do? Yeah, I think to see, like, is the big picture moving in the right direction? <laughs> right. All right. My... Big picture is moving in the right direction this month. Yay. Well, I got that $5,000 inheritance, which is my fuck-off fund, from my aunt who passed away of cancer. When did you get that? Um, This month. Oh, really? Yeah. She just died. 
She died a while ago, but it took him um, a little bit to do the, uh, you know, everything you have to do with the will. And uh-huh. she had helped me actually get through the breakup that was that inspired the fuck off fund. I happened to be on vacation with my family when I decided to break up with that person because I think like the way my family loved me and talked to me was such a juxtaposition to how I was being loved and talked to in my relationship. So it was weird. I was like on vacation with my extended family and like a total wreck. But she talked to me one night and really helped. And so I have my memorial fuck off fund. And I think that makes it like more sacred. Like I won't touch it. And then my um, my stocks came up another four thousand six hundred from the initial crash of thirteen thousand when COVID hit. But the thing is, is that is it doesn't matter what the paper value is. It only matters when you sell it. Yeah, that's true. Very true. I'm paying my credit card. Part of it. Not all of it, of course. How much do you think my budget should be on furnishing my bedroom? About um, ten dollars. Yeah, you just go on Craigslist. Okay. And look for a $10 bed. Okay, 50 What about a mattress? A used mattress? No. Don't make me do it. <laughs> <laughs> you're, are, you're saying I should get a used mattress? I feel like I could get a used dresser, yeah, a yeah. used chair, a used desk. No, no. Just do what you want to do. No, I don't like the door. I like the sound of that <laughs> at all. <laughs> you don't want to use me as a standard. I'm not a standard. Okay, fair enough. You, you, I'm not a standard. I would like to be more Vicky-ish. But not... Not full Vicky. Full Vicky. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Okay. Um, and, you know, what era in my life. So... What were you thinking? I just, you know, I'm having one of those runarounds where Uh, you can't get into an account. That's very annoying. I think I don't want to do this. Sorry. No, it's totally okay. (laughs) Um, You know it's more than enough. That's like, I think that should be like a rule with a monthly money dinner. Like, if you know it's more than enough, you're okay. Which almost no one... Right. So, basically, between... The apartment that I, I'm holding a mortgage on, that I'm going to get a balloon payment next year, and this house and my other house, mm-hmm. I'm a, I have almost a million dollars. That's just real estate. Right. And so, um, and that's real estate appreciation. That's just luck of the draw when I bought it. Mm-hmm. So, and then I have... Probably something akin to $200,000 earning 5%, you know, some more, some less. Shoo. Do you give yourself, like, a monthly budget, or do you just, like, is it just in your bones now to know, like, I don't spend very much money? It's just in my bones. I I try, I always, I have a certain amount, like, I always like to have $20,000 in my account in your checking account yeah (laughs) and when i go below that 
<gasps> yeah. <laughs> do you know what I would do if I had $20,000 just like in my checking? You would spend it. I would fly to Patagonia and live there for like six months until I had zero dollars. I'm like, well, now I gotta go get a job again. That's me. You know, I mean, it's possible for me to... Um, it's like when I went to, to... I mean, it's not necessarily easy being me, having the values I have and the habits I have. So when I did the Chautauqua in Ecuador, mm-hmm. um, Cheryl writes me and says, there's an adjunct trip to the Galapagos, and I realized... Um, you know, I'm getting an honorarium. I'll probably never be in South America again. Mm-hmm. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. So the Chautauqua was a meeting of people who are financially independent and people who are interested in that kind of exactly. life. And how much do people pay to go? Like $3,000 or something? I know. It's just insane. I paid nothing. They paid me. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So with my honorarium... I have plenty to go, mm-hmm. you know, and so, and buy a ticket to go to Brazil and, and, and. Um, so I said, yes, I'll do that. And when I went to the airport, it was like, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm getting on a plane, which I know is the worst thing for the planet. Not necessarily the totally worst, but close to it. Mm-hmm. To go and gawk. <laughs> what a verb. That might say experience. I've had so many life experiences. I mean, I had wonderful experiences there. Most of my wonderful experiences had nothing to do with tourism per se. Mm-hmm. Most of my wonderful experiences were like taking a walk one night and um, it was some holiday mm-hmm. and all the school children every classroom had been given a um, province in Ecuador and they dressed up in the native costumes mm-hmm. and they had a teacher and they were dancing and they were singing and this parade went on and on and on these little children dressed up as like you know uh, you know with the you know the achuar and the shuar things and it was like stunning. I like mm-hmm. to be like daily life. I like mm-hmm. to get into daily life. Mm-hmm. Tourism is like, I don't get it. You know, or like hanging out with a big land turtle, 2,000 pound land turtle. That was great. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of good experiences, but the way I live my life every day is a good experience. Mm. So. I mean, I had a chance to go to Patagonia, and I thought, I cannot get on another airplane mm-hmm. to just go and gawk. And I wanted to badly. Mm. But, it, you know, if you know some of my perspectives on things. I'm not one who's going to go like, okay, you know, the world's collapsing, party on, might as well have as much fun as I can before it goes. That's not in me to mm-hmm. do. Um I haven't, I don't think I've met anyone with such a sense of responsibility. Where do you think that comes from? I mean, you could say it's sort of, it's almost like at the level of destiny. Mm-hmm. It's almost at the level of that's what I'm designed for. Mm-hmm. I'm, 
I wake up in the morning and I think about, well, what's happening in this world? How's the balance of things? I'm always feeling at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I'm sort of somebody who, like, you give me a piece of data that I, I can say, like, even if only 10% of this is true, this must change my life. Mm. For example, uh, when I when I read Diet for a New America, this is like the first, you know, John Robbins' first book that you don't know who it is. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, it was like the, the sort of like the big popularizing of a vegan diet because of factory farming. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about factory farming. Once I knew about factory farming and, you know, John described it, I thought, if only 10% of this is true, I can't participate. Mm-hmm. I can't be part of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm somebody who, rather than going like, oh, I feel terrible, I'm participating in something awful, pass the salt, you know, whatever. <laughs> I can't do that. I can I mm-hmm. just like, if I know something, I can't unknow it. Mm-hmm. And so then I, I'll, I'll do my best to live by what I know. I'm sort of based in reality, you know? You are based in reality. And it's so different from what feels like reality to most of us. Right. Because we've, I think especially people who, even younger than me, I can't even imagine, but like you are raised up in this completely designed world, in this completely manufactured reality that pushes you toward buying more things. Right. Nobody wants you to know about the slave labor that goes into your new shoes or whatever. They just want you to know that the cool kids have the new shoes and you need to get the new shoes. Totally. And it's it's in there, like, if the way that you experience society is through social media, it's almost like a model wearing shoes standing around with what used to just be your friend group standing on the corner, standing there right there with you. You know, but it's the virtual experience of that. I know. It's, like, excuse the expression, it's totally fucked up. Yeah, just like, do not let your life be subsumed in that fantasy. You are fodder. You are fodder for the corporations. You are wasting your goddamn good life energy, your talent and skills, so that you can upload more money into their pockets. Don't do it. (laughs) Not not true. Yeah, I mean, it's like, do what you want, because... (laughs) But, you know, and I haven't been this direct with you, but it's like... Own your mind. Mm, mm. Own your life. It's yours. Do not let them manipulate you. I mean, if there's something in me, it's like, no, those those suckers are not going to get my brain. Mm. They're not going to own me. And I know I'm somewhat owned in this house. It's part of why I buy things used. Mm-hmm. I buy as much as I can used because that stuff is heading for the dump. You know what the mm. dump is? The dump is a methane producer. There is no way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm doing my little part to not bring new things into being. Mm. And I'm not doing it because, ha, 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 I'm virtuous. It's just like, why? <laughs> you know, with my car, I, like, did that car because, you know, I'm sort of, like, in terms of energy, I am... I'm energizing a market that needs to grow. Mm-hmm. So, the electric car. Yeah, so I'll do the electric car. 
it's like you know it's like taking the lid off something and seeing the rot inside mm -hmm. you can't put the lid back on mm -hmm. and and so so then you have to it's classic red pill blue pill i mean you know you either get to live in the fantasy or you get to live in reality and reality is tough mm -hmm. reality is it, it's tough it has rules <laughs> it does it's um and once you know it's just a choice so i mean i'm you know there's lots of people like me in the world mm -hmm. you just don't know them mm -hmm. and maybe it's generational i mean you know it's like i'm like the quakers i'm like the amish i'm like the i'm like <laughs> i'm like the duke of Bors. <laughs> i i'm that is the most interesting thing, is to be a moral human being in a complex world. It's nothing sharper to do. Mm. The rest of it is fluff, you know. It's okay, it's nice fluff, but it's... It's fiddling while Rome burns. What? Fiddling what? Fiddling while Rome burns. Do you know that expression? Oh, no. Really? Fiddling <laughs> while Rome burns. <laughs> That's the story of Nero, who was the emperor, the final emperor in Rome. Mm -hmm. And so Rome was burning, you know, the, it was being sacked by the Huns or whoever had sacked Rome. And he was out there with his violin playing, mm. you know. So, so the term fiddling while Rome burns is to do something, it's like let them eat cake. It's mm. doing something irrelevant and out of tune mm -hmm. um, in a, in a, time when re when there's a tremendous amount of suffering mm -hmm. and um yeah so anyway mm. off of my high horse <laughs> no really i mean if you want this from me you can have it but but you haven't invited it so if you, you no, i love it you invited it's this very money real. dinner so i did invite this money dinner no i love it it's real real talk Real talk with Vicky Robin. Right. It's a good question. I mean, I mean, you could call it like guilt. I don't think it's guilt. I think the moral life is like you do everything according to what you know to be true, mm -hmm. and you are open to new truths. And it's like you are never going to be good. Good and good and bad is not the thing. You're not gonna. It's not gonna be good or bad. It's just gonna be real. <laughs> just gonna be looking at what's really happening as best you can. And it's you know who knows what's real. So I'm very philosophical. That's another thing. Mm -hmm. I'm like a truth seeker. That's more interesting to me than. I mean, I'm curious about trends and stuff like that. It could be part of it. Could be the influence of, of living with Joe for twenty seven years. You know, he was pretty. He was very fierce, and uh -huh. he was, you know, he lived a lot closer to the bone than I did because he grew up in poverty, and so he taught me a lot of things about what's happening in the real world, like people getting up every morning and not knowing if they're going to like live or die by the end of the day. Mm. Um, so once you know those things.
once you know you you, you can't unknow so you, so someplace you know like when you say you know oh my god there was slavery that went into these shoes once you know that you can sort of go like oh but what am i going to do you can do whatever mm -hmm. you want but once that picture is in your mind you can't not have it there mm -hmm. the energy it takes to keep that picture at bay starts to shrink the world that you can be conscious of because as soon as you become more conscious there it is it's sitting right there at the margins of your consciousness mm -hmm. oh fuck that those kids in the factory again mm -hmm. <laughs> so so let's take that example like where do you buy your shoes thrift store i'm careful but i i get them at the thrift store and I get, I very often get almost brand new shoes. Mm -hmm. Underwear, that's what I buy new. <laughs> yeah. I got that, that um, down coat um, that I just bought. Mm -hmm. Got that new. Mm -hmm. I can still hear the ducks screaming. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> but I, you know, I waited a long time for something to show up at the thrift store, and it just didn't. Mm -hmm. And um, it felt like that was in a, because my my one that I wear all the time, I had to put a piece of tape on to keep the duck. <laughs> so, so I like to disintermediate. You know, like like shopping at a farmer's market. Mm -hmm. It just it it is the most direct I can mm -hmm. get to the direct relationship between production and consumption. Thanks for asking about this. I feel strongly about it and I don't get I don't talk about it much anymore because fun? I talked about it for yeah. 10 years of my life and it made no difference. Mm. That's the thing. That's not true though because remember when you like went back and checked the Reddit and there were like 400,000 people yeah, yes. on the Reddit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's not no difference. In terms of what I was trying to impact, which mm. was lowering the impact of of the the bulk human demand on the planet mm -hmm. complete utter failure so why aren't you jaded i am <laughs> <laughs> i i um like in terms of consumerism mm -hmm. i'm I see the same arguments being made now that I made 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Almost the same words, like people are just discovering it. And it's pitiful. It's like, for me, I, I don't know if you saw my TEDx talk, but you know, mm -hmm. I say sustainability is an extreme sport. For me, what's interesting is living what you know. Mm -hmm. Then it gets interesting. Then it gets tough, it gets real, it gets edgy, it gets interesting. Oh, now I know about dog food. What am I? And it, yeah, so for me, I don't know. I just think that I think that this whole civilization is going down. I think it's at, in the end game. Mm. I'm sorry to say. Oh, I, I know. I know this is how you feel. <laughs> so then like why not tip into the pleasure mode of just, well, fuck it, it's all going down. 
I have no pleasure now. <laughs> what would I do? What would I do? Buy a hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> what would I do if... Okay, so if I... If I thought, like, we literally had a year and I had the money that I have in my 401k. What would I do? I mean, I would stop, like, working. I would just hang out with my friends. <laughs> so I hang out with my friends. I yeah. don't I don't work at a job. Yeah. Uh, I live on passive income. I per- I participate in all sorts of fun things in my community, um, and I serve on boards. And I do, you know, I I participate in the larger world. It, if if it if at very least upholding truth, mm-hmm. you know, it's like no longer it's going to have an effect. It's just going to be this is what's true. What was interesting to me during like the Corona stuff going down is. How, in my situation, it's like scramble, scramble for work for me to handle my shit. But because you are handled for the rest of your life, you were able to look outside yourself and be like, okay, how can we help the community through this? Like, the the ability to give because you had already put on your oxygen mask, you know? Yeah, yeah. That really struck me. Yeah. Yeah, and that's never ending. Yeah, just like the question, how are my people? Mm-hmm. That's that'll fill a life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not like trying to change the world, but how are my people doing today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How are how is how is the forest doing today? Just present to the to the reality of what is. Mm. I don't know. It's like I, I um I have a big problem solver, world saver in me. And it's um it's a habit, and so it it's in conflict with the reality that there are some things that you really you know we're not going to touch this in this we're not going to change things. Mm. Um, so that edge is hard for me the uh, the serenity prayer, knowing what I can and cannot change. Mm-hmm. And you know when I was younger, I thought you know we can we can change this consumerism thing. We could really. We could stop it. Mm-hmm. You know? Teach people about enough, not more. You know, take pleasure in what is. You know, proportion, balance. You know, you have too much food and you feel too full. You eat, you buy too many things and you can't take pleasure in everything. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> That's like I said that again and again and again and again and again and again. And I lived it and I talked about it and I made jokes about it. And I did what I could. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing is like, and you know this. You're 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 actually a very ethical human being. You know that you when you do what you know is right, it feels good. Mm-hmm. And when you are honest with yourself, it feels good. It feels way better. I mean, you're not. I'm not saying anything that you don't actually agree with. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. You know what? You know, mm-hmm. isn't that true? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're just you're just um, you're just playing the edge for a little longer. <laughs> I don't know. Hot tub might not be a bad idea. It just feels like like I'd have to maintain it. <laughs> I'd have to get another roommate who maintains the hot tub <laughs> as well as takes out the compost. Rent. 
<laughs> cooking, maintaining hot tub. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I have enough rooms in my house for all the things to take care of. <laughs> yeah. So for me also, you know, like, okay, here, I'm 75. Like, I know that at some point I'm going to need more help than I, than I have. Mm-hmm. Or it seems to me. Mm-hmm. It seems to me. So some of the money I have stashed is for help. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, that's one way to do it. Yeah, not having kids, that's like a big thing for me. Like, shit, you know, I'm going to have to hire people to take care of me when I'm old. And I don't want to, I do not want to be old in a shitty government-issued place. Nope. So that's, you know, that's the sort of the realistic thing about retirement is it's not like, oh, I'm going to go live on the beach in Thailand. It's like, you know, can I cover the basics? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I mean, the idea of getting in a plane and going to the, to Patagonia, mm-hmm. uh, it's mostly plane. I'd rather, I'd rather get on a boat and go up to the, um, um, go up the Inland Passage. I'd like to do that. Mm-hmm. I'd like to actually go, I have a friend who lives in Haida Gwaii, um, that? That's the Queen Charlotte Islands, way north. Mm-hmm. She's married to uh, an indigenous. Um, yeah, I think he's Haida uh, man. So it's a place where the culture is still the culture. Mm-hmm. And because she's part of it, uh, it would be interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of a lot of travel has been, you know, like the uniqueness of travel has been cheapened by. It's all consumables now. Yeah. So. I would say the thing that I would want that I don't have, or that well, I would want more of, is intimacy. That's mm-hmm. the most. That for me is, you know, like people only go so deep, with one another, mm-hmm. unless, you know, and even if you have any of your lovers. You still are hitting the wall of somebody's ability and willingness to go to get really like naked, <laughs> and I think that would be a, that would be thrilling for me is to be able to have that depth. Like my friend Kim, mm-hmm. you know, that we were able to say anything to one another, and we really were for one another. We shaped one another. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's way more important to me. I mean, what can I want? Maybe a better bed. <laughs> you can have a better bed. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm talking a lot, so what do you think? No, I, no one wants to know what the fuck I think. I'm doing it wrong. I like to ask people who are doing it right what they think. You're not doing it wrong. What mm-hmm. are you doing wrong? No, I'm, uh, you know, actually I was thinking, uh, I forgot what, like, made me think about this, but I just really feel like, my life is mostly what I wanted it to be. That makes me feel really good, you know. Um, I was talking with one of my coaching students about this birthday check-in that I have and how every year it gets easier because, like, some of the questions are like, okay, who is, like, a toxic person in my life and can I get rid of that person? Well, because I've been doing this for years, I don't, I don't have toxic people in my life, you know. And I, ha- it's really about, like, what am I allowing into this next year of my life? Yeah. You know? And um, 
so yeah, I'm proud of myself that like in the big decision, I, I made the decision to move farther from my neighborhood. That is my preferred neighborhood. And really, I mean, being there today, I was like, oh, this is great. It's fine. You know, it's not so far out that it's like the burbs. Um, definitely still part of the city, but really accessible to where I want to be. Really close to a lake. I love it. Um, and yeah, you know, I have faith in my business. My business is growing and I don't know. So yeah, as long as I can like stay stable. I mean, that's the thing. It's like when I have that amount of cash, I think this is part of me that's like the creative part that is both good and bad because I'm very creative. I got lots of ideas. And when I have a $10,000 canvas, there's lots of things I can paint on that $10,000, you know, like, oh, let's, let's do this, you mm -hmm. know, let's do this, let's do this. So it's kind of having that patience. And I think, you know, when I do date someone else, dating someone who has my same financial values and being like, I'm not going to live above my means. I actually am getting like more into clothes, not fancy clothes, but I would like to look nice. Um, I actually came, I'm going through like my old memorabilia and I saw a picture of me in sixth grade and I was like, oh God, like poor kid chic. You know, I look like the fucking poor kid. I had my brother's cut off jean shorts on. I had like a t-shirt that I remembered getting from like some thrift store. You know, I looked broke as shit and I grew up in Florida and then I went to Peace Corps and like, so my fashion sense is fucked, but I really like having nicer clothes. Um, clothes that make me feel like I'm just kind of celebrating the day and enjoying me too. The I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Mostly yeah. travel. Travel's my big thing. I want to just like see everything. Yeah. I like things that are exciting. I like to have exciting adventures on the horizon. Yeah. And then to party, to like do it up, to have like, you know, experiences and create experiences and have friends over and have big barbecues and have, you know, stuff that can be expensive. But yeah. fun. I mean, it doesn't have to be expensive, you know. Really, no one gives a shit if I buy the cheap fish sauce versus the good fish sauce. But also, you know, it, it's a question of if, like, really cool food and just the what stuff you want is great for you, then do that. But mm -hmm. don't do that and the frappuccinos and the, mm -hmm. you know... It's like, it's like, that's what I was saying before about picking the things that are of value and not going for it in every which way from Sunday because nothing then has value. Yeah. What staying here for these two months has taught me with such a low rent is the like amount of mental space that it gives me to be creative. Holy shit. I had forgotten. Really. I mean... And that was the similarity. A lot about quarantine has reminded me of Peace Corps. <laughs> right. But the similarity of like, you know, if you don't have to work 10 hours a day just to make rent, then like you can be like, oh, I can work on my novel. I can work on this. I can go on a photography walk. I can like create things. Totally. And so that space, I want to hang on to that like, that feeling of instead of like physical space that I might get in my own apartment, mental and financial space. Right. Exactly. Exactly. 
I buy my freedom with my frugality every I day. I buy my freedom with my frugality every day. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the best. Yeah. Is sovereignty, you know? That's sort of solvency and and um, autonomy and and it's not like ha 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 I'm rejecting the world you know or I'm mm -hmm. above you or I'm separate from you it's just I am the author of my own life and you you know you're get you're you're doing you're doing it systematically it takes a life a whole lifetime to do a life because <laughs> I I'm 75 and I've until this last trip to South America, I was sort of identified with, you know, people would, uh, with my next trip, mm -hmm. you know, like, I'd like to get out of the United States once a year because I just have to get perspective, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> not, not, I mean, not, not true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how I learned. I learned through experience. I learned, you know, and so for me, that was like so great. Um, and people would say to me, like, are you going any trips soon? And I would wonder, why are they asking me that? And I realized, oh, that's who I am to other people, mm. is Vicky goes places. Yeah, Paula Pant has talked about that a little bit, about how, like, financial independence is so wrapped up in travel. But she's like, it's really nice to be part of a community, too, and, like, be home sometimes, you know? Absolutely. So now, I mean, having come here that this is the part of my life where I get to settle down. I mean, settling down was like settling. It was like, you know, it was just like, well, okay, I guess life is over. I'm going to settle down. <laughs> it just seemed like the worst thing to do. Mm -hmm. So I have had that spirit in me. When you guys had the ultimate vehicle, it was four of you. You each had your own bunks. And then, did you guys move around a ton? Like, how often did you move? We usually might have, like, a, you know, travel week or something like that, mm. going from one place to another. But a lot of times we would, it wasn't getting up in the morning and driving every day. Yeah. For sure. But moving a lot, once a week? Well, I mean, no, not once a week, but, you know, a week's period of time. Mm of just being on the road we would mm. we went and we did service projects and we did writing retreats and we ran retreats and you know, what how did you do all that without the internet like how were you like we're having a writing retreat type typewriters <laughs> <laughs> and did you mail out invitations to people yes <laughs> i'm just trying to understand <laughs> how do you do this yes we would mail invitations when I was on the road, we had a, a mail service, and that would, you know, it was a forwarding service, and we mm -hmm. had an address, and they would forward us their mail to where we went to mm -hmm. the, um, what was it called? General delivery. Mm -hmm. So they would mail a packet of mail to general delivery. Maybe once a month we'd get mail. Mm -hmm. I love it. And how long did you live like that? Many, many years. Wow. Yeah, we didn't have um, we didn't have a phone. We didn't have electricity. We didn't have a phone for a long time. So you didn't like accumulate shit because you're all in a camper, right? We had each had four and a half cubic feet of personal space. 
I don't think it's not a life I would choose for myself now, but I'm yeah. glad it, I had it in my past. <laughs> uh, yeah, we each had four and a half cubic feet of personal space. Um, wow. No fancy clothes. I mean, it was a different life. I hiked yeah. a lot and I was in nature a lot. And, um, did mountain climbing and, you know, stuff like that. Seems really cool. Yeah. <laughs> totally cool. <laughs> um, for me, I didn't really know myself as well then, but for me, the sweet spot is having work to do that I believe has value and that uses my skills and talents and challenges me. I love that. Um, having a team of people that I'm doing something with that we, we have a shared goal and we're, you know, we're all rising to an occasion. Um, and so being on the road and just, you know, hiking or whatever, that was, that was a beautiful thing to do, but it really wasn't satisfying to me because mm. I like, I like to, I like to really work on hard stuff. Yeah. There is a thing about like just the surface pleasure that isn't. And like uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi talks about this in his book Flow, that people don't reach flow as often in like just relaxation time. They reach it when they're working, yeah. you know, and like to love your work is, I think, a really beautiful thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm I've typically, um, you know, when I see something, that's right. That should happen. Mm-hmm. There's something something clicks in me, and it's like, okay, we're gonna, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, looks impossible. I'm gonna do it. But it's usually it's usually something that's about social change or. Mm-hmm. And then, how did you end up in Mexico? Oh, that was like a long time ago. That was after the ultimate vehicle, though, right? Before the ultimate vehicle. That was I was living in New York with my the guy I was married to at that time, mm-hmm. who I was who I introduced you to. I was mm-hmm. talking to the other day, <laughs> Mark and I, and we it was nineteen sixty nine, and it was that time, and we went on the road, <laughs> and you know went to California, lived in California six months, did the things you did in California, um, and uh, and then. Um, Decided we were going to go down in South America. We are going to have the adventure of a lifetime. So that's how we got into Mexico. It's on the way. <laughs> Police to stop there. Yeah, so it's like I've had, I've had a number of lives. And I think my favorite one is this one. My favorite one has been this period of time since I had cancer. And I just sort of set out for, in a new direction. But I had the life around your money or your life, and that was like an that's was an amazing life, mm-hmm. amazing. And part of what made it amazing is we're going to change things. Mm-hmm. This is over. We're going to put a decade in, and at the end of the decade, it's going to be over. That consumerism thing ended, and I believed it with mm-hmm. everything in me. Mm-hmm. And I, and I created a big slipstream, and a lot of people came along for the ride. That's the best, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, and I don't know now. You know, it's like, now that I'm in this phase of recognizing 
it's it's not it's not that the world isn't changeable it's changing every minute you know mm. but it's um, the magnitude of trying to change the direction of something that has so much weight and mass going in the other direction mm-hmm. um, so I think I, I still I still love that but I am less um, sort of wide-eyed and, and breathy about that we are going to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, winning, you know, like we're going to change everything and everybody's going to get it, we're just going to do it. That, I don't think... But it's, uh, I feel like it's missing now. I feel like there's something that I've let wither that I don't want to, uh, I want to um, bring back. Hmm. which is um, a sense of grounded miraculousness of existence. You know, I mean, just like, mm. you just... I, I, I can use the God word, you know, not everybody likes it. But look, you know, okay, God's, God says, okay, Vicki, you're going to go into this pandemic thing and you're going to go in quarantine and you're going to be lonely. So we're going to give you Paulette. (laughs) So it's just like, it's like the generosity, just the the generosity and sense of miracle around everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've lost a bit of that because I've, I've been in fights that we've lost. And so I think there's a way to live in faith that everything is turning out mm-hmm. without having the drive to make it turn out according to my own best lights. You know, there's a different way. That week, Vicki Robin purchased a hot tub. for listening to Can We Talk About Money? To keep up on new episodes, subscribe and follow Paulette Perhatch on Twitter at Paulette Perhatch.